Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. All right, let's go indeed. It is the Lombardi Line Championship Sunday. I'm Patrick Maher. Of course, he's Michael Lombardi there at the Borgata in Atlantic City. This is VSEN, the sports betting network. And it's finally here, partner. Four teams that are a combined 59 and 14 does not get any better than this. No doubt. And we're excited for it. You know, obviously, the 3 o'clock window here on the East Coast, Patrick, you get it at 12. So this town of Philadelphia is ready to go. I think I've seen more Eagle jerseys this morning and walking through the Borgata than I've seen anywhere. And uh, it'll be a fun day of football. I think these are the four best teams. So hopefully we get two great games. Yeah, and 75% of the bets, Michael, we were just talking about this before we came on the air. So let's get you updated. We'll go chronologically. Of course, we've got the Travis Kelsey and his back news with the spasms. We'll get to that just in a little bit. But the 49ers-Eagles, you and I have been harping on this. 75% of the bets, 82% of the money over at BetMGM, yet that number had yet to budge off two and a half. You take a look this morning, Michael. A bunch of shops are now going to the Eagles Lane 3, including Circa, including a couple of offshore books. So we are starting to see that two and a half lose up to three with Philly laying it. Yeah, most of the books back here, except for the Borgata, in the Jersey area of Pennsylvania, those the sports books here were at three yesterday, and they've been at three for a while. Borgata hasn't moved to three. They're still a two and a half. I asked Thomas Gable this morning if he was going to get to three. He didn't think so. Their ticket count is enormously favoring the Eagles. However, the money is fairly even. So they're going to stay at two and a half here at the Borgata. But as we often tell everyone that listens to our program, shop for the best number. If you like Philadelphia, get the two and a half. If you like San Francisco, there are threes out there. Go get them. That's exactly right. The first ticket to the Super Bowl will be booked and punched in Philly today. Let's start with the weather. You're close. I have the forecast, but how's it look today there in Philly? Well, I know our man Ben Baby last week out of Cincinnati just completely dropped the weather on us. Uh, you know, we said it was beautiful in Buffalo, and next thing I know, when it opened up the game, it was snowing. That's not going to be the case here. It's going to be 50 degrees. It's unseasonably mild. This time last year, we had about 12, 14 inches of snow on the ground. Now, it's 50 degrees. It's beautiful. The sun was out this morning coming over. Uh, it's going to be the perfect day for football. They'll, the field will be fast. Both defenses will take advantage of a fast track. And both offenses, which are extremely fast, will take advantage as well. Okay. When talking about Philly and San Francisco, of course, they're 
in Philadelphia. How do you differentiate these two teams? Two, two best teams in the NFC. What's fascinating is you've got a third-string quarterback for San Francisco. We'll get to the Brock Purdy angle here in just a second, Michael. But essentially, two teams with similarities, both fierce defenses, both can play smash-mouth offense. Like, Where do you differentiate these two teams as we start to handicap the Eagles and 49ers here? Uh, I think they're so even. You know, both secondaries you can attack. Both teams, that if they, if they play from in front, they're more dangerous. I think the only difference here is the Eagles will throw the ball more down the field. They'll throw the ball outside the numbers more. And they'll try to make more explosive plays. San Francisco, because of Purdy, is a yards after the catch team. Philadelphia does that really well. But Philadelphia can throw it down the field and make big plays. And Hertz has been very effective throwing the ball. The other difference, obviously, is Hertz's ability to run with it, right? The, the, the 49ers are going to be prepared for the six-back offense. They're going to be prepared to take Hertz away. I do think, and if you study, if you study Philadelphia, they are a game-specific team in terms of who, how they play each opponent differently. I think they'll come out and throw the football. I think they'll be able to throw it against San Francisco. I think that's what they're going to do. I think they, they throw to run, not run to throw. Yeah, and you mentioned that the Eagles' offense was exceptional against the Giants. They ran for 268, Michael, but here comes that stout 49ers run D who allowed an NFL best 77 yards per game this season. They limited the Cowboys to, what, just 76 yards on the ground. So, again, these are, and you've talked about strength of schedule all year, the 49ers and Eagles, they haven't played who they're going to play today, meaning this is their best competition yet. Right, and they can't control that. I mean, San Francisco beating Dallas last week was a big win. I mean, I don't think people give Dallas enough credit for how talented they are, how good they are defensively. And Philadelphia beat Dallas early in the year. Now, they didn't have Dak Prescott. They had Cooper Rush. It was a close game. Philly got ahead of them. And then the second half, Dallas made a little bit of a comeback. The second game... Dallas had Prescott, but Philly didn't have Hurts, and Minshew was in the game, and he turned the ball over. They threw the ball very effectively on Dallas. They just couldn't stop Dallas from throwing the ball on them. So I, I think that's the commonality between the two teams. But look, these are by far – there were three really good teams in the NFC this year. I mean, Minnesota was a nice story, and credit them for their wins. The Giants were a nice story, credit them for their wins. But the reality of it is, is these two teams were the two best teams by far, and they proved it. And I think that – you know, they've shown that through time. San Francisco beat Seattle three times in a row. Philadelphia beat the Giants three times in a row. Both teams were playoff teams and they won. So it shows you the dominance in the AFC by these two teams. Yeah, the cream has risen in both conferences. So let's start with Purdy and Shanahan. The 49ers, Michael, have won 12 straight games. That's the fifth longest streak entering a conference championship game in the Super Bowl era. How about the rookie quarterback? We've never had a rookie start in the Super Bowl. As a matter of fact, rookies in the AFC and NFC championship games are 0-4. So Purdy, uphill battle here. He's 8-0 in the regular season in the playoffs as a starter. 16 touchdowns and 4 picks. Here's where it gets interesting. He's only been sacked 14 times over his 8 starts. And this is an Eagles defense that's historic getting after the quarterback. Yeah, but see, what, what Kyle does such a good job is making the position easy for the quarterback. There's a lot of easy throws, and he makes those easy throws. Now, some guys can't do that. I mean, we've seen, you know, Trey Lance couldn't do this, right? And some guys can. I mean, he's had Nick Mullins, and Nick Mullins couldn't do that. So, like, I'm not saying he has easy throws and Purdy isn't very good. I'm saying Kyle, remember, the stat we always were reading for a long time is Kyle's win percentage was only with Garoppolo and no one else. Well, Purdy's changed that narrative, right? Purdy's smart. He's instinctive. He's very accurate. He fits what they do perfectly. And because he started 47-plus games in college, he's experienced. The game isn't too big for him. Yeah, I know he played at Iowa State, but, you know, he's gone down to Austin, Texas to play a game. He's gone into Norman, Oklahoma to play a game. Those are hostile environments. I know they're not Philadelphia, but he's experienced that over his career. The game's not too big for him. And Kyle makes the game easy for him, and they have the best yards after the catch receivers in all of football. And so they get, he gets the ball to them, and they have an opportunity to gain yards. Michael, if you were with that Eagles coaching staff leading up to the NFC Championship game today, and you took a look at what happened with Purdy against the Cowboys, a pedestrian, 19 for 29, 214, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But what will the Eagles take from that Cowboys tape into today? 
we got to win first down. I think it's the most important, going to be the most important element of this game is who controls first down. I know it's real simplistic, but that's going to be the key. Because Purdy, when he's really operating well, it's he's in second and four. He's in second and five. And then they can get a first down and they play Canadian football and he keeps them out of third and long. When they struggled against Dallas, they were not winning on first down. They were run the ball, no gain, second and ten. You know, now you need now it's harder, right? And now third and ten. First drive of the game. Let's just go to the first drive of the game. San Francisco gets the ball. They try to run it. They get the backside closed down. They try to run off tackle. And Lawrence closes it down from behind. No gain. Second play, they try to run the bubble screen out to the left. He gets sacked for six yards. That's that's how Dallas was able to get control of the game because they didn't allow the 49er run game to really get going. They changed their fronts. They moved people around. They made the blocking scheme what San Francisco practiced all week for. They made that not relevant. And so what they did is they transposed a new look. I think that's what Philly will do too. This game is about first down. Chart first down in the game. If you can win first down, five yards, six yards, seven yards, then you've got a chance. But if you're not winning first down, it favors the defense. Front foot, something you've been stressing for the 49ers, and I'm talking to in-game betters. This is a team that wants to play with this quarterback from, from in front, correct? I mean, they led, they yeah. were an NFL bl- best plus 13 in ter- turnover margin this year, so they take care of the football. But front foot for the 49ers is something to pay attention to. Right, because, you know, like, look, people confuse this, right? So everybody thinks Bill Walsh was about the West Coast offense, and that's true. But the theory of the West Coast offense is we are going to throw the ball to get the lead, and we are going to have a pass-rushing defense to add to the lead. And this is what both teams are really good at doing. Both teams love to play from in front, and both teams have a pass-rush defensive line that can create turnovers and add to the lead. And I think when Purdy has been so great, and Purdy's not going to fall off a cliff today unless unless Philly gets ahead and we go into the fourth quarter and all of a sudden the game's he's got to throw the ball every down. That's when it falls apart. But Kyle, I think, is way too smart. He's never going to allow himself to get away from it. He's going to continue to try to do what he does. When he beat Dallas in Dallas last year with Garoppolo, I understand it was Garoppolo, but they got off to a 10 nothing lead in that game. That's how they have to play. We expect defense, the two best defenses with the Eagles and 49ers in football this year. You can argue, throw the Cowboys in the mix as well. If this does turn into a shootout, and many are expecting points here, it's interesting and ironic how some are pointing to points. But if this turns into a shootout, do you trust Purdy? Uh, see, I do, because here's why. If it's a shootout, it isn't because Purdy's throwing, you know, slim posts. It isn't because Purdy's throwing over uh, post overs. It's because there's yards after the catch. It's because Samuel breaks a tackle and goes for 50 yards. It's because Kittle catches a seam and uh, on a 15-yard seam route and catch, goes 40 yards. It's because the yards after the catch with McCaffrey, with Kittle, with Ayuk, those guys are making the plays. That's really what it is. This is a yards after after the catch offense. And this is why we have such great, these two teams are so good. I mean, look, the best team in points per play, Kansas City. Number two, San Francisco. Number three, Philadelphia. It's a hell of a Final Four. It really is. We started with the visitors and the 49ers. We'll come back with the home team and the Eagles, the best team in the NFC this year. Also, Charlie Weiss is going to join us coming up in just about 15 minutes. We're just getting started here on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. 
Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, an awesome opportunity right now to let VSIN Handicap Conference Championship Sunday for you become a VSIN Pro for $9.99. It's an introductory offer right now. Pro tools, pro picks, pro tips, everything we offer, the kitchen sink for $9.99. You can sign up, we'll give you the place for today. VSIN.com slash subscribe. That's vcin.com slash subscribe. Okay, we got you back. Exciting as we've got the two games. We've been waiting for them all week. He's Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. This is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Let's go ahead and show the graphic as far as uh, we talked about these teams being lumped together as far as title odds. And right now you've got your favorites with the Eagles at plus 240. We'll show you the graphic and kind of the machinations of the numbers this week. The Chiefs have let leaped the Bengals as far as your second betting favorite at plus 260, the Bengals plus 275. The 49ers who have won 12 straight Michael Lombardi are plus 350 as we sit here on Championship Sunday. So four teams that are lumped together there as far as odds. Yeah, and you know that this is this matchup today at three o'clock here in Philadelphia is the one we've all thought was going to happen. As you looked over the landscape of the National Football League and you watched this Eagle offense in September, October, November before Hertz got injured, you kind of knew there was only really one team and perhaps the Cowboys to an extent that could beat them because of the speed of their team, the uniqueness of their offense and how they are hard to handle because they can do two things really well. They can throw it and they can run it. And this matchup was destined to happen. Now, you know, San Francisco, they made the McCaffrey trade that changed their offense in the sense they added another yards after the catch player who can play multiple positions all over the field. And then they got healthy. You know, they lose in Atlanta. That's, that was because they, they half their team wasn't there. They lose against Kansas City at home. Again, they weren't healthy. They beat the Rams, and then they go into the bye week, and then they've been on this streak ever since. So this, this matchup was destined to happen, and I'm sure both teams have been preparing for this in all their spare free time. How do we handle it? What do we do during the game, and how do we adjust? So that's what even makes it more interesting is because this is the, this is the game we wanted to see, and we got it. Yep, we got it. And some books have shifted to three. So the Eagles laying three. If you want to catch three with the 49ers, you can find it. If you want to lay two and a half with the Eagles, of course, shot for the best number. The 85 Bears, Michael Lombardi, remember them well. They had a record regular season 72 sacks. One extra game, but the Eagles had 70 sacks this year. So a tremendous defensive front. 
shouldn't outshadow what's happening with the with the 49ers, who are a tremendous defensive front, a tremendous defense. So here's the thing. Best run defense in all of football, the 49ers. But if you take away the run from the Eagles, they're explosive. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and the best deep thrower in the game right now in Jalen Hurts. Yeah, that's the thing is you don't get to the Final Four as a one-dimensional team. And if you do, like the 19 Tennessee Titans, you kind of will find an opponent that takes you out of your game. To get to the Final Four, you have to be have versatility. You've got to be able to throw and run. You've got to be able to close out games. You've got to be able to win the close games with your ability to do what the defense wants you to do and still execute it. So when you have to throw it, you can throw it. When you have to run it, you can run it. When you have to stop the pass, you can stop it. When you have to stop the run, you can stop it. So you don't get here if you're not multidimensional. Now, their style is different than the ability to be to, to play in, in either direction. There's a certain style San Francisco has to play. That's that, but that's Kyle's style his whole career. Philadelphia can play a little different style. They're more game modification. And the same thing with Cincinnati and the same thing with Kansas City. So it really comes down to that. And these numbers don't lie. I mean, when you power rank these teams, these are the four best teams pretty much. Dallas is in there as well all throughout the season. Buffalo, which should be here, just slipped offensively badly with the turnovers and their inability to really control offensive and defensive lines. Okay, I mentioned the Eagles don't have many flaws. However, their one weakness, if you want to call it that, is stopping the run. Conversely, the 49ers are the best at stopping the run. So what will the Eagles look to do against the 49ers? Like, How do you see this playing out? Are they going to take deep shots early? I think they're going to try to throw the football. I think they're going to try to run their play action, and I think they're going to try to throw it in a protection scheme to try to take advantage of the cover three scheme that's going on. I think you'll see them attack the Pete Carroll cover three D'Amico Ryan scheme that they utilize. And they'll say, okay, we're going to take a ch- we're going to take advantage of it just like Seattle did. Just like Seattle tried to do. I think they're going to borrow some of the Seattle game plan. I think they're going to borrow some of the things that the Raiders did against them and kind of utilize that as it fits within their offense and then try to get the lead. I think every both these teams in the first quarter are in a rush to try to play from in front. And I think the only way you could really play from in front is make a chunk play. Look, it's hard to go the length of the field against both these defenses. They're not easy, right? So you've got to be able to, to figure out a way, how are we going to make chunk yardage? And the only way you make chunk yardage is by creating a, a big play, an explosive play in the passing game. So I think that's going to be their modus operandi. And that's what they did against Tennessee. Look, Tennessee had one of the best run defenses in all of football. They came out and threw the football in that game. You know, because Philadelphia knows what's the sense of going, when we, why should we put ourselves in second and 10, second and 11? And I know the Philly run game's a little different, but this team fits against Philly's run game really well. To stop Philly's run game, you got to be big inside, right? You got to have physicality inside. You got to have length and physicality. Kinlaw and Armstead give them that. And you have to have a middle linebacker that can run. Warner gives them that. To stop their outside run game, you got to have linebackers that can run to the football and corners that'll tackle. San Francisco's got that. So they're built to stop this run game. What they're not built to do is handle some of the comp sets designs in the passing game. Michael, you take a look at the total, it's 45 and a half. These two defenses in the divisional round, meaning the 49ers and the Eagles, allowed only two touchdowns total in 20 possessions. Yet we talked to Jick Jack yesterday. I've talked to a couple other pros. They're expecting some points here. As far as you, is this a field position game like we saw with the 49ers and Cowboys, or do you expect explosiveness? No, I, I think to me you got to you got to in big in big games you got to take away explosive plays, right? I mean you got to make them work it down the field and you got to play great in the red zone. So you know if one team's making explosive plays, you know that's going to be doom and gloom for them. I I, I don't. I, I think this will be a game played very similar to what was last week. I would not bet the over here. I, I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think both defenses have to play a certain way. I think there's a sense of conservatism. I think the big difference in the game is was, is the kicker Wesnuski. I mean, he's tremendous. I mean, he's had 32 punts inside the 10-yard line this year. I mean, that's remarkable, Patrick. Yeah. And that was good. one of the areas where Dallas shouldn't have punted the ball back to him because they were going to get the ball back inside the 10. You've got to equate him. He makes you play on a long field. San Francisco is the best defense in terms of giving up scores based on drives. 
I'm just so reading into the longer the the longer the field the longer the field you got to play on, the harder it is to score, right? You got to make a chunk play. If you got to go 90 yards against San Francisco, you might get 50, but you're not going the whole way. You can't score. Philadelphia's defense, for the record, Philadelphia's is the fifth best defense in terms of allowing scores per drive. Their offense is the fourth best offense in scoring on drives. I'm just reading into your words all week, and that is that the Dallas Cowboys missed out on an opportunity. It, it does seem it, it really you keep on bringing them up. It's a part of this conversation about the 49ers and Eagles. So what is it? Uh, I guess I would ask you this way. The Cowboys, you feel like could be here in Philly. Uh, what do Philadelphia? What does Philadelphia do to kind of counteract what Dallas couldn't do against the 49ers? Well, they can score, right? They can score and their quarterback didn't turn the ball over. I mean, you got to be able to make plays in the passing game, and you got to score. You can't turn the ball over. D- Dak turned the ball over. They're going to kick. I mean, and then they, they have both teams have somewhat reliable kickers, and who knows with kickers today, but they're reliable. I mean, you could argue that even though Jerry claimed that they were proven right on the kicker, you know, when Pollard gets hurt, that changed the game. Right. I mean, if Jalen Hurts gets hurt today, that'll change the game. If Purdy gets hurt, that'll change. I mean, so the Pollard injury changed the game. But what changed the game, too, was the fact that he missed that extra point and they were scared to death to kick a field goal. Like when they had second and two on the Dak interception, that should have been really a run. It should have been a run to get the clock moving because you don't want to give them the ball back. But they were trying to get yards because they needed, they wanted to score because of the kicker. Now, this is where I have a problem with joystick, Kellen Moore. You know, he never really understands the situation of the game as it relates to the moment. Like, second and two, let's get this clock moving. You know, we lost Pollard. Let's get this clock moving and see if we can then. No, we throw an interception. And that cost us points. We've got Charlie Weiss coming up in just a few minutes. The market says two and a half, three with Philly laying it. What's the Lombardi line for the NFC Championship game? What do you have for I had this. I had this at Philly 1.1. You know, I think it's really close. And I leaning, I'm leaning towards Philadelphia because, you know, I just think to me when, you, when you're under two and a half in any of these lines, I think you've got to really take a, a, a hard look at it just comes down to the handicap of what team do you like better. And I'm just – I think if you study Philly and you study how they approach Tennessee, how they approach, you know, some of these games where they knew they couldn't run the football, I think they come out throwing, and that's the hard part. And Michael Lombardi's been locked in on these two championship games all week. He's not coming off his plays. We'll have the official plays for you coming up in just a little bit here on the Lombardi line. Next, four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss joins us here on the Lombardi line. You're listening to the Lombardi line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, Brent Musburger will follow us here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the Lombardi Line. He's Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. We're going to head to sunny South Florida and talk to a four-time Super Bowl champ. That's pretty cool. He hosts Airing It Out on SiriusXM's NFL Radio 10 to noon Eastern weekdays. Uh, we welcome in Charlie Weiss. Hi, Charlie. Thanks for joining. We were having a conversation before we had you on about these two games a little bit. Let's start with the rookie and Brock Purdy. Nobody knows quarterbacks more than you. What has impressed you about Purdy? Well, Purdy's doing more of what he did when he was at Iowa State. You know, sometimes when you play at a school like Iowa State, you don't get the notoriety that other that other schools get. But you know, he was a very solid player when he was in when he was in college. He had many many big games and. The thing that's really intrigued everyone is the fact that the game has not been too big for him. You know, he has he has seemed to settle in nicely, and nothing seems too big. And you know, he's more than just a game manager. Everyone wants to say he's just a game manager, but he's had to make plays, and he's so far he stood the test of time. Charlie, you've been in so many of these conference championship games over your career. You know, as you get ready and your team gets ready to play in these games, the first quarter is always a little bit about figuring out what the plan is. If you're in Philadelphia attacking the San Francisco defense, what would your plan be knowing this Philadelphia offense? 
what would my plan be on offense or plan B on defense? On offense, if you're attacking San Francisco's defense. Probably throw a play-action pass on first down, almost every first down. Figuring they're going to load up, they're going to load up the front, and figure we got to stop the run game and Jalen Hurts. And I take advantage. I take advantage that I get two studly wide receivers out there, and I get a hell of a pass catching tight end, and I throw it a lot on first down. Yeah, that's that. That, that I asked that Charlie because that's what I think. I think they're going to take the same approach they did against Tennessee, which is come out firing and figure they'll throw to run, not run to throw. Yeah, I think that you have to decide when you go into a game if you're you know if you're going to play a complementary game, it's got to be okay. How does everything fit together? You know, sometimes you'll go in and you'll go right into the teeth of a defense. Figuring that, you know, you're anticipating it being a low score game and you're willing to run the ball more, you have more rushing attempts, even if the yardage ends up, ends up not being real, real big, to be able to play cop and memory football and take advantage of play action shots and know you're going to be playing this game in the, in the teens or in the low 20s. There are other games you go into a game and say that's not going to be enough. And if it's not going to be enough, then you've got to be willing, even against a stout defense, you've got to be willing to be much more aggressive in the passing game. Charlie Weiss joins us here on the Lombardi line. Charlie, the number's two and a half. Everybody says the 49ers and Eagles are close, and obviously it's going to be a competitive game. Do you see a difference? Do you consider these two teams very close, or do you see a difference between the two? I like both these teams a lot. You know, here's here. I'm just going to bring up two points. One team had an extra week's rest. They're playing at home, and they have a quarterback that could 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 conceivably be picked as the MVP in the league. Mm-hmm. Now, what more else do I have to say? If two teams are even, one's playing at home, has had more rest and has an MVP caliber quarterback playing for him, I mean, it's pretty easy who I am who I like. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it does get that simple, right? It goes down to that. And, and if Hurts plays to the level he's played all year uh, and they play from in front, I think this is a game about playing from in front. I think whatever team gets that lead early in the game, I think that sets their defense up in that complimentary game you talked about. Let's shift to Kansas City. You coached the great Tom Brady for years, right? So how do you think Mahomes is going to manage this ankle, which I don't think is going to be an issue because I think somehow he's done it. I don't know how, but he has. How do you think he manages the the ankle, and how do you think Andy Reid manages it? Well, two, let me start with two sidebars. First of all, I'm sure Mahomes is pissed because all week long he's listened to everyone talk about how great Joe Burrow is, and they're coming in the Burrow head. And Andy Reid, which most people don't know, is one of the wittiest, most sarcastic people. That you know, He's a very close friend of mine. He's witty and sarcastic. And trust me, those players have heard that every single day, about 100 times a day, about, you know, I don't even know if we should show up on Sunday. So if you think you're not going to have a motivated Kansas City team, well, all are here and you've lost three in a row this team. They got Joe Burrow. Mahomes can't, you know, you know, they might have to amputate his ankle. I mean, that's all they've heard all week long. Now, all of a sudden, you go and watch warm-up. You watch a little 20-second clip of warm-up, and you see Mahomes jogging around there. Now, let's face it, high ankle sprain, he's not going to be anywhere near 100%. But he doesn't have to be 100%. I mean, he's a pocket passer who moves from the pocket. He's He's not one of those guys that, you know, likes to roll out to either side. He's a pocket passer. And he's been able to utilize his legs because he has that innate ability, the Dan Marino ability, the Tommy Brady ability to, you know, to be able to step up and move within the pocket. And then the one thing he has over those guys is he has more athleticism where he can run better than them. But that's not what they're asking for him to do. They're asking him for him to throw the football. And I think, I think that he will do just that. 
So you like the Eagles in the early game, Charlie. Charlie Weiss joining us here. We appreciate the coach joining us. Do you like Kansas City? They're laying two. Sounds like you do like your boy Andy Reid, no? Well, I mean, I think Cincinnati is hot, just like San Francisco are hot. And let's face it, let's not vacillate any of these four teams could win a Super Bowl. I mean, it would not be a surprise. You could make a case for everybody. Okay, but I think that Kansas City losing three in a row, playing the disrespect card, you know, I I think that people don't realize how much of a psychological plus that is for Kansas City. You take it as a minus, I take it as a plus because Hey, Mike's been in, around those locker rooms. He's seen it happen. You sit there and you just you're just drilling those guys and drilling those guys. You know, I'm you know, I'm going with the I'm going with Big Red and the Big Red Mahomes combination in this game. I think you made a great point, uh, Charlie. Is the fact that you know everybody in this game's coming off a win. They're all hot, but. I think Cincinnati, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, as great as Burrow is, at some point, you as a play caller, you as an offensive coordinator, you as a head coach, it's hard to hide a bad offensive line two games in a row. You got away with it last week. Buffalo's front wasn't very good. But I don't know. I'd love to hear your take. Do you think they can get away with that bad line again this week? No. See, that you brought up, the, you brought up one of the key points. Going into last week's game, you know, I really thought that Buffalo had a legit chance of winning the game because I thought that they would take advantage of that offensive line, but they did not. Well, you can bet, you know, Chris Jones is licking his chops. And you know, they, they got some head pressure coming from Clark on one on one side and, you know, Carl Aptis on the other side, right? Uh, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of action coming. If there is one strength, for the Kansas City Chiefs defense, which I don't think is as multifaceted as Cincinnati's, but is the fact that they have some they have some real talent up front, and I think that Cincinnati could get exposed. Do you expect points at Arrowhead, or as you called it, Burrowhead? Do you expect this to be a shootout with the Bengals and Chiefs? Oh, I think I expect more points in this game than I do in the other game. Let's let, let me be bold in my prediction there. <laughs> you know, I do I do expect more points in the AFC game than I do in the NFC game. Well, you're nothing if not bold, Charlie Weiss, four-time Super Bowl champ. Check him out, airing it out, Sirius XM NFL Radio, ten to noon Eastern weekdays. It's a great show. We appreciate your time. Enjoy the Thank Florida you, weather in the game appreciate today, it. Charlie. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Best yeah. of luck. I'm gonna get a little pool time in before the games here while you guys are in the out. <laughs> if not now, when, Charlie? If not now, when, Charlie? <laughs> it's a tough life for Charlie right, Weiss down in South Florida. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate it. Uh, Charlie's son does a great job too. His son's an up-and-coming young coach in hell college football. So, yep. yeah, so he's hell done a great a job. Coordinator. I think he got a job in his mid-twenties running an yeah, offense in college football, he, which is he was working pretty... with us in New England for a summer there for a while, and then he kind of got got another one. So he's done a great job. We call that being a savant, and Charlie Weiss certainly a hell of a play caller himself and a head coach. Okay, so he likes the Eagles. Michael, he likes the two home teams, and he likes the revenge yeah. angle for the Chiefs. That's what that's what you take from that. Big time revenge. I think there's no with, doubt. With Weiss and Mahomes. Okay, we'll shift. We'll go to Cincinnati. Mo Egger is going to join us. He hosts on ESPN 1530 in Cincy next here at Lombardi Line. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know... What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. 
Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kid-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, turn a loss into a win with BetMGM. Place a one-game parlay wager with at least four legs on any pro football game. If all legs of the parlay hit except one, you're going to get your stake back in free bets up to $25. Log into your account, BetMGM, or download the app. Sign up with BetMGM to take advantage of this offer all season. Just opt into the one-game parlay insurance promotion. So it's a great deal. Visit BetMGM.com. you got to be 21 years or older. Call 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. Promotional not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Again, thank you to Charlie Weiss for joining. He likes the home teams. Mm -hmm. He likes the Eagles, Michael Lombardi, and he likes the Chiefs. Our next guest, he talks to people all the time. They don't like the Chiefs. They like the Bengals. Mo Egger (laughs) is a host on ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. Let me start here. First off, good morning, Mo, and thanks for joining us. Uh, What's been the topic? Has the topic, even in Cincinnati, been the ankle of Patrick Mahomes? No, not so much. It's been a weird week, right? Um, these teams are so familiar. It's a different vibe in Cincinnati. You know, last year it was this sort of ragtag group of upstarts, right? This team that burst on the scene. They were seven-point underdogs going to Kansas City. The expectation this year is that they win, that they go to the Super Bowl. That wasn't so much the case last year. Last year sort of felt like house money. So this year it's simply been a matter of, I think more than anything, how can the Bengals conjure up more disrespect, whether whether it's real or Okay, we're going to go to phone with Mo, so we'll bring him down quickly there. I'll go back to Michael. Yeah. I, I think what he brought up is interesting. Last year it was house money. The, 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 and you know what else with the Bengals? It's almost like they're enemy number one. The Burrowhead situation where they're headed to Kansas City, it's like there's, they're cocky now. Yeah, but I, I think what Charlie said is so true. I think they have confidence, and but as a coach – you know, when you don't have to do a lot to get your team ready, when everybody's doubting your team, that's a huge advantage. And and this Kansas City team is rarely in the, you know, being doubted mode. You know, everybody's wondering why don't they cover, but nobody's wondering why they don't win, right? And so this is a great advantage for Andy Reid in the sense that he's got a captive audience. And so I think that's going to play through. Mo, good to have you back. <laughs> It's good to be here. And, and Mo, you ask, talked about uh, – go ahead, Michael, please. Well, I, I wanted to ask Mo, uh, I know that the, the ankle. When you talk to Lou Amaromo, what is – I know he's concerned about Kelsey. What is the first thing on his mind besides the ankle as he looks at this Kansas City offense? Stopping the run. Because if you go back to the, the game against Baltimore two weeks ago, they didn't do a very good job. Uh, I think that's the key to this defense. I think, obviously, look, they've won 10 straight games. 
without their top cover corner, Chidobe Awuzie. But uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, a little bit of a different animal. They have a rookie in Cam Taylor Britt. They've got Eli Apple. The Eli Apple experience can be kind of a roller coaster. Cam Taylor Britt, I thought, passed uh, the test as, as a rookie corner in the postseason last week with flying colors. But you know those guys are going to be tested. You know Patrick Mahomes is going to make plays. And you know Travis Kelsey is going to get his catches. I think for to really expose Cincinnati's defense, when they've been really good, D.J. Reader and that front have been excellent against the run, but they weren't two weeks ago against Baltimore. And you've got to think, I don't know how much the ankle is going to bother Patrick Mahomes, but you've got to think that maybe Kansas City is going to lean on the run a little bit more than usual with Isaiah Pacheco. Bengals are going to have their hands full of him. Mo, offensively from the Bengals, Chase has been unstoppable against the Chiefs. Do we see a heavy dose of Jamar here? I think you see a heavy dose of Jamar against anybody. Nine touchdown catches in his last nine games. You talk about what he's done against Kansas City. Look at what he did against Buffalo. And it wasn't just that he had a lot of catches. It was how they used him. They lined him up everywhere. They put him in the backfield. They put him in the slot. They had him out wide. Jamar Chase last year, the M.O. was throw it to Jamar and let him go get it. This year, a little bit more nuanced. They've used him in a variety of ways. They've let him pile up a lot of yards after the catch. And you mentioned what he's done against Kansas City. You know that fresh in their mind is still 11 catches for 266 yards and three touchdowns in the regular season game last year. If the Bengals win this football game, Jamar Chase is going to have a lot to say about it. Yeah, no doubt. Now, let's talk about the offensive line. Last week, they did a great job. Forget the snow. I don't think that was relevant. They blocked him. They dominated him. How is Karras' knee going into the game? I know he got hurt last week. And then how do you feel like this line will match up against a much, much better Kansas City defensive front? Well, that's the key. You know, last week against Buffalo, all things considered, they were terrific. You start three backups on the offensive line. You run for 170 yards. The quarterback gets sacked once. Boy, you, you can't ask for any better. Now you add to it two elements. One, Ted Karras's knee. I think he's going to be okay. He practiced all week long. But number two is Chris Jones and a Kansas City front that is significantly better than what you saw last week. I worry about George Karloftis as well because the Bengals have two backup tackles. I think the key is their left tackle, Jackson Carmen, uh, because he's, he's kind of the wild card. He's the inexperienced guy here, right? Their, their backup right guard is Max Sharping has played over 200 snaps in the NFL. Their backup right tackle, Akeem Adeniji, has been in the league for a couple of years, and he was a part of last year's team. He was a starter on the offensive line. Jackson Carmen, for most of the season, wasn't even active on game day. For 12 of the 16 games, he was inactive. He came in late against Baltimore and played okay. Started the game at left tackle, which is his normal position. Started, his, started the game last week at left tackle against uh, Buffalo and did terrific. But today's going to be a little bit of a different animal. I don't know that they're going to dramatically alter their game plan, you know, for, for Kansas City in terms of what they do with their offensive line. But it goes without saying that the task today is going to be significantly more difficult than, than what, they, uh, what they had on their hands last week against the Bills. Mo Egger, host ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. So we just talked to Charlie Weissmo, and he said the motivation is going to be there for, of course, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes having lost three straight. There seems to be a nastiness, a little bit of an edge from Burrow and Taylor as well. We heard him say, hope you get the refunds on the tickets. Are you, are you sensing that with the Bengals here, this edge? Yeah, this team thrives on the disrespect angle. And, you know, look, logically – the whole uh, make sure they get the refunds thing was a little silly. The Bengals sold AFC Championship game tickets in the event that Jacksonville beat Kansas City and Cincinnati hosted. But there's logic, and then there's inside the mind of a professional athlete when he's trying to seek an edge. And this team, for whatever for whatever might be out there, even the slightest hint of disrespect, Zach Taylor said this week, I scour the Internet looking for everything that I can show to my team to get them to have a little bit more of an edge. He's great at that. This team thrives on that. This quarterback thrives on that. And so when Willie Gay of the Kansas City Chiefs came out this week and he was asked, what impresses you about the Cincinnati offense? And he said, nothing. I guarantee you, I guarantee you if the Bengals win this football game, you're going to hear about that after, and you're going to hear about how they use those comments to sort of, I don't know, gain a little bit of an edge because this team has thrived on that angle for two years. Uh, uh, Mo, tell me how this is happening. I mean, I know how it happens, but explain to me. How is Lou Amaromo not getting any head coaching considerations? 
it, it boggles the mind. You know, I mean, the obvious answer is, well, he's not an offensive guy. But, good God, if you look at the way his defenses have performed, and they obviously have very good players, but we're not talking about household names. You know, there's not a Joey Bosa or a Nick Bosa. There's not a guy like that. Uh, what he's done in big games against Patrick Mahomes and against Josh Allen, you watch this defense week to week, you never see assignment errors. You've never seen, you know, just mental mistakes. They're extraordinarily well coached. He's tapped into versatility. He's a terrific leader and teacher. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how he doesn't at least get an interview, how somebody doesn't at least bring him in. Uh, whether or not he would get a job, that would be up to him to interview well and outline his plan for the franchise. And he wants to be a head coach. But the fact that he's done what he's done with his defense and is barely even being mentioned, I, I simply don't get it. Okay, Mo, prediction time. Kansas City's a two-point favorite. Will Cincinnati make it four in a row against the Chiefs? You know, you have two obviously very evenly matched teams, two A-lister quarterbacks. I'm going to take the team that's gotten it done in the head-to-head matchups. I think it's a fourth-quarter game. The Bengals have been great in the fourth quarter in the postseason these last two years. I think they're going to be good enough in the fourth quarter today and win by a field goal. All right. Love it. Mo Egger. ESPN thank you. Cincinnati. Thank you, Mo. Appreciate you, you getting on the phone for us. Yep. Appreciate Great job, it. Mo. Appreciate you. No problem. Okay. Yeah, he mentioned the Chiefs issue against the Bengals has been the fourth quarter in overtime. The Bengals have outscored the Chiefs 26-6, and Burrow has outplayed Mahomes. So if it comes down to that, I mean, we have some data. It's been a second half, actually, really the second half. The last two games before the one in Cincinnati in 22, they've outscored them 34-6. And then last week, they were, last year, they 14-13, and they won that game. So, yeah, they've been dominating this game the longer the game goes. But again, I mean, that's Andy Reid's motivation. I mean, look, fellas, we've given them the games. They haven't won the games. We've allowed them. We've turned it over, and we haven't scored the red zone. We know how to fix that. Okay, still got an hour to go. We'll come back and get Michael Rankings, pow- Michael's power rankings of the final four teams. Also, the quarterback rankings. Update you on the odds and get an update on the weather there at Arrowhead. It's going to be cold. Joe Burr and the Bengals headed to Kansas City. <laughs> we'll get to, it's just such a great nickname. The, the, these, the, it's fascinating storylines abound. We'll come back. It is the Lombardi Line, VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you. 